I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. On this latest Rugby League Down South. New Broncos coaching consultant Brian Noble on adding his experience to what he calls Broncos oil tanker. Head coach Andrew Henderson reflecting on his time so far in the role. We speak to winger Reese Williams who signed a new contract with the club. And we hear from James Sullivan who tells us of the charity event in memory of his brother John, the former Broncos man who sadly took his own life just before Christmas. If you'd like to get in contact with the programme at any time, it's always good to hear from you. Uh, fairly active on Twitter, although maybe not uh, as active as I used to be, uh, at Ian Ramsdale. Always uh, read your messages, though, uh, and on the email as well, rldownsouth at gmail.com. Um, we must mention uh, Danny Jones as well at this point in the podcast. Um, terribly sad news coming from the New River Stadium a couple of Sundays ago with um, the news that he collapsed during the game unfortunately died uh, later in hospital and um, the sport of rugby league has been uh, paying tribute and remembering him and raising money for uh, the Keithy player who I guess you you just you never expect to do a podcast like this uh, and have to to cover news um, like that of Danny Jones but it was a big week a big weekend for league one uh, the weekend just gone um, big event for people involved at Scholars as well and all the people that were there during the game but absolutely um, a very big weekend for Keithley um, who played on um, without Danny Jones this weekend and got themselves a victory as well so as ever I'm sure uh, our thoughts with uh, Danny Jones his family, his wife, his five month old uh, twins um, and we obviously remember him and if you can give anything to the uh, Danny Jones fund there is a a just giving page they're trying to raise a hundred thousand pounds i saw it about seventy thousand it may well be over a hundred thousand already but um it just just goes to show how well um rugby league pulls together in moments like this first of all uh, in the program then let's hear from the new coaching assistant uh working with andrew henderson uh, that of brian noble um before we hear from Brian himself, uh, it's a great chat. Always a good to uh, talk to Brian. But uh, before we hear from him, um, I asked Andrew Henderson after the Dewsbury game um, at the Hive a couple of weeks ago, um, the week that it was announced that um, that Nobby was joining. I asked Hendo what exactly the deal was. Yeah, it's probably uh, I'd say it's like a a coach and consultant role. Um, what Brian's uh, role is obviously. You know, as a kind of mentor figure for me, um, you know, it's great to have him because I can bounce ideas off with him. You know, we, we, we sit down, we can talk about certain things and certain areas of, or style of play that we, you know, that we, we think can help the team. And, um, you know, the good thing is I get to speak to Brian. He'll, he'll express some ideas. It's up to me whether I take them on board. Sometimes I might go, no, I don't think that's the right fit for our team or, yeah, I like that. And uh, I'll say, you know, express some of my thoughts and things. And we just have that bit of, bit of crack there, which is good. Um, you know, it gives me a couple of things to think about too. You know, certainly to try and help help with the team. So, 
Uh, there's a bit of that and then obviously what Brian's role will be as well is to sort of help with the recruitment assist me with the recruitment and retention type stuff so um, you know, so basically I can focus more on the coaching side of things so what I'm finding at the moment before Brian stepped in was I'm on the phone early in the week Monday, Tuesday so straight after a game I'm on the I'm on the blower all day tomorrow chasing agents chasing clubs to find out what players are available you know what I mean I'm sitting down doing part of the negotiation and typing up the email offers and dealing with you know that kind of stuff so I can now bat that across to Brian so I can identify the players. I can say, right, I want him. Do your best. You and Jason, the CEO, you do your best to get this bloke across the line. If it doesn't work out because the deal's not right, it doesn't work. But if it does, then great. So it just gives me a bit more opportunity that I can focus more on the coaching side of things and the, and, and the planning and the review process, which I'm, I've been managing to do and I've been capable with, but it just frees up a bit more time for me to maybe look at a few other things um, that I need to do. And so let's hear from Brian Noble himself, a former Great Britain coach. Uh, now as part of the coaching setup at the Broncos and as you'll hear and keen to help make it work and he even mentions the uh, SL division as well um, I asked him politely after the game on Sunday for two minutes of his time uh, as you'll hear he gave me slightly more than two minutes but here is Brian Noble here we are then Brian I remember oh, I bet it was nearly two years ago now yep. I talked to you at the stoop after yeah. a Salford game we sat down and we, we talked about London and what you thought and we'd obviously done some work about the championship as well I mean how has it figured out that you've ended up as part of the coaching team at London in the championship now? Well, purely through my, my friendship with Andrew Henderson you know I've, we obviously worked together on Premier and we all worked together on Premier Sports and the good times we had there without any pressure of coaching and things like that but I'm a fan of his and I think he's got talent as a, as a person and as a coach and um, the trials and tribulations of the club early in the season, you know, when Joy stepped down and the injuries and things like that. I've always been a fan of, of rugby league in London. I'm a big expansionist, as everybody knows. And um, Endo rang me up and said, "You fancy give us in a hand?" I said, "Well, I don't really want to come down and coach because that'll ruin your life if I'm <laughs> coaching. So, but I'll certainly help you, and I'll speak to David about helping the club and have a look at things and see where I think it's at." And, and so we just took it from there. I spent a few weeks travelling around the country watching the, watching the club. Went up to Whitehaven, came down here, um, gave a bit of advice and assistance. And um, yeah, I still think that, that the joint's got legs. Otherwise, I wouldn't be here. I'm a, and, but my primary primary concern really is to help Andrew Henderson not make the crap decisions I made when I was a young coach and not fall into the same minds and pitfalls as I did. I was going to say you're obviously um, good friends with Andrew mm. and, and you know it's a, it's a strong bond that you've got yeah. what is your role now with him here you say you you're not going to come down to coach um, you know what is your role and how, how is it that you're integrating with the club well, I'm helping Andrew I'm you know, basically mentoring Andrew Henderson because um, he talked about at, giving well he needs to be given the chance to coach and um, he doesn't want me all over him in that respect so I'm trying to stay away from that environment I'd, perhaps I will coach again one day I do love coaching but you know, there, there are certain things that happen in rugby league that will never change. And, I, and again, as I, I can only reinforce that the primary role is to make sure Andrew's doing good things and doing good things in practice and doing good things to elicit a response. You know, the, a little bit of a hold at the moment, but that it just, an oil tanker just doesn't change direction overnight. And um, there's lots of things that need to be put into place and identification of all those problems. And, I'm pretty cute at so you know we, we have strategies for, for lots of things we understand the, the dynamics of the here and now and the, the way that the competition is structured so you know perhaps we'll look at recruitment for him and see what kind of people we need to, to make sure we're a bit further up the league ladder and we'll look at all of those things but 
with that comes the responsibility of if you've got some good young London kids, you should be playing them if, if you're giving people an opportunity. And I firmly believe in that as well. So it's looking at the whole kit and caboodle, really, in on relation to the football side. Um, and there are some challenges, quite clear challenges that we've seen. Uh, number first and foremost, nobody likes to get beat, you know, and, and losing at a weekend, especially at home, is, is a difficult challenge. But I hope the fans and the administration understand why these things happen. Part and parcel of that is to explain why these things happen. Um, we clearly have some ideas, so we're not bereft. Um, and some of these things can all be, be cured with, with new people. Uh, so we're, we're looking at that. We're looking at what's happening in practice. We're looking at who cares about being a, a Bronco. And that's primary. In any, anybody's case, you have to care and want to do something about a situation. Let me just pick up on one of the analogies or similes or metaphors, whatever it is that, yeah, that you've used. Because you, yeah. you love it. I'll, I'll repeat it back to you. But yeah, you know, you're spilling your toys out of the pram or yeah. your sweets out of the jar yeah. when we were doing commentary. Yeah. But you mentioned about Broncos being an oil tanker. You know, and it, you can't change direction soon. I mean, what have, what has your impression been? You know, what, why would you describe Broncos as an oil tanker? Do you see it as this, this big thing that just needs guiding in the right direction? Well, I'm probably talking about habits and when there's been a recruitment taking place and, and there's a certain squad together it's built for a certain reason when you lose a third of that reason you know through injury or through people leaving or whatever and the court then the coach leaving then it's been set off in a certain direction as, as the adventure and then to turn it around and try and bring it back and build something different mid-season takes time we're all like to think we've got some talent but it takes time and in, in a in a world when professional sport doesn't allow you that much time that frustrations creep in I think honesty is the thing I'm talking about, Ian. I think if I have an honest reflection and a reality of where where is the club actually at now, both on the playing staff front, both on the direction. We know the ambition from David Hughes. He's a wonderful man and he's got absolute determination to make the Broncos uh, very, very good again. Um, but it, it, they've been in, in a situation for 18 months. Remember, they went into liquidation, they were brought out of liquidation. So... The, the challenges and the traumas that are always spinning in and around and that's the part of the old tanker I'm talking about that for, for 18 months it's, it seems to and appears that there may be no guidance there may be no direction and things well I think part and parcel of my little little role at this club is to say well I think this is what you should be doing and this is where we should be going but that's the old tanker that's hard to turn around that 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 holistic thing, if you like. If I hope I've explained it as best as I can. I was going to say, if you're going to talk about oil tankers, David Hughes and his other he business, he's putting yeah. gas tankers yeah. all, all the way around the world, so he'll know exactly what you're talking yeah. about. In terms of um, what you see with the squad as well and the development, you know, Andrew's made it clear that he's trying to improve things, he's trying to change things, and he wants to, to put his own yeah. sort of way. What, yeah. what do you see that needs to be done with London? Maybe not you know, just specifically on the club, uh, with the team, sorry, but the, but the club in general. Is that, is that something that you will pick up as part of your remit or are you streamlining everything We're all allowed opinions and I, I don't think it is part of my remit. London will be what, whatever it ends, in the end happens to be. There's only so much I can influence and I would like to go... The halcyon days of the, the Broncos that I remember was when I was an assistant coach and when then they were at Charlton and when they were... Man, they were a tough team to beat. I tell you what, the worst trip was that you didn't want to do was to go down to London and play London. Is that when you get back? Do you want to get that back? I'd love to get that back. I want people to come to London and have a bit of fear and an element of respect. But it's not a shirt team fix. Everybody is after good players these days. Everybody is after an identity, if you like. And there's a, there's a lack of them. They're all, you know they, they come on few and far between. So you've got to find reasons why people will want to be here first and foremost and and buy into a 
And Andrew Henderson, the reason I'm here is Andrew Henderson believes in this as well. And Andrew Henderson is the man that will make the final decisions. Andrew Henderson will build it the way he wants it to look. And I hope he will begin the time, which he surely should. Um, and he'll build that kind of concept, you know, of toughness. You know, he's a tough guy himself and, and skill and, and all the th other things that we want to see in a rugby league team. So, yeah, it, uh, it's unfair to, to suggest that the, the club is wishy-washy this and it's not going anywhere. And look at this, they've got a full-time squad and they're not beating part-time squads. Well, I don't care what anybody says. They're behind the eight ball in a lot of respects in, in a certain amount of recruiting. And you can't bring... You can't bring Ellery Hanley's in and Malmeningas in overnight. You just can't bring those type of players. But so my remit and my confidence that I can bring to it is the fact that you know, with, with everybody that's here that's trying really, really hard. You know, they've got a great new training ground at Bushy. You know, which which would take off if they develop that. And it's developed something that you can't bring people that aren't as good as the people they've got at the moment. Now, if that means not spending Mr Hughes' money, David's money on, on has-beens or never-would-be's, then that's fine, I'm cool with that. I don't believe in quick-fix stuff because it's, it's flimsy, it's fragile, it's balsa wood. I believe in bringing people in that are better than the one you've got so that everybody can learn from those people. So that part of my quality control, if you like, is I won't, put, I won't try and bring anybody that's not better than one of the people that's got here because if a London kid's as good as the kid that I was bringing, I'd be doing them a disservice. Let me just ask you two more questions then. From this was supposed to be a short interview. We've already yeah. done eight minutes. Yeah. But um, when we talk about or when when the room was that you were you you were potentially going to come here, one of the big things, obviously, the, the reason you're here is your experience. Yeah. And I guess from my reading of the situation, it maybe took longer than I don't know than people may have hoped. But I guess you and your experience wanted the right wanted to happen in the right way. And did that just take time? Or am I reading that wrong? No, no it, it took time because when you're not involved in the game you make other commitments and so you have to speak to other people about how much time they're going to let you get away I am actually was doing other things I wasn't with a big fat Havana no, we rugby, said before, rugby league remember it I'm not sat on a cruise liner in the Mediterranean with a big before, fat Havana before we started the interview we were talking yeah. about you're not a man who doesn't like no, not being I busy I sit still and I don't like doing nothing and I had a bit of time on my hands but sometimes that's taken with other things at the moment so I didn't want to fully commit and, and still can't quite fully quit to a full-time environment. Um, but I can help Andrew Henderson, the mentoring role, and that is my role. You know, I'm there to help him. I'm helping to, again, I can only reiterate that I made some shocking decisions when I was a young coach and I can help him stay away from those kind of things. Is that a whole new interview? Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's got eight, never mind, eight minutes. That's got eight hours on its own. But fortunately, I got away with them. And, uh, and I have ideas on how the game should be played and I can only throw things at people Andrew and his staff and say well have you tried this and have you tried that that really helped me when I were in and you know what I've been in the bigger hall than they're in now bigger hall by a mile it's all relative to where you're at and um, I just know that it's all fixable with a bit of patience and a little bit of belief but let me ask you one more then with your you know you're not hearing uh, putting like your coaching record on the line as such but I know no. that the type of you, you're, a, you're a coaching man you like yeah. having that oh, yeah. positive I like record players. I love them and, and, you, and you want to be successful here you know you want to be as part of a success um, yeah, you obviously see that, yeah exactly and that, that's what I'm getting at that you see the, the potential success here which is obviously one of the reasons why you're here I have a fabulous admiration for David Hughes to pump the amount of money he's pumped into this London adventure and and to be where it's at at the moment, gosh, that must be so frustrating. And, you know, I just think for a bit of will and from the rest of the game, and uh, hey, hindsight's a wonderful thing, I just think it's we should have a, absolutely a capital team. 
for the Super League. But I also should believe there should be a team in Cumbria and Newcastle, another team in France. So I think is that your next task? No, no. <laughs> I think I think the the game's a big game, and we need to keep it as a big game. And, and first of all, not have a London concept for me is. I think it's daft. You look at the amount of young people playing in the game in an era when we don't have that many in the north. We're shrinking in the north of England in relation to people playing the game. So to have a, an area that's producing players and not give them an opportunity to play at the highest level, I think it's daft. Playing daft, as Jeffrey Boycott would say. But it's Ryan Noble saying it now. So, yeah, of course I have. But I can only reiterate that I want Andrew Henderson to do particularly well. And I don't want, it, I don't want him to... He's gutted after today's performance, and, and rightly so. I felt for him, and I felt for the players. It's a, it's a, but people that don't know, people aren't sat in that change room. I don't know if they truly understand the concept of digging yourself out of that hole. Everybody has challenges in life, and I'm not comparing sport to life. I'm, what I'm saying is, it's a tough changing room at the moment because nobody wants to get beaten, and nobody wants to make the mistakes that they do. But they know at the end of the day. There ain't no new kind of players being opened up for next week, so they're the ones that got to dig themselves out of it. I owe you about eight minutes. Eighty-seven <laughs> minutes, you owe. Always fun to uh, chat with Brian. Uh, he knows his stuff, and in the conversations that we've had, as as we mentioned, um, we've we've talked about London before. He's always had his eye on it. He talks about being an expansionist. Um, is that a word that's been used before? Expansionist? Should, should, should we should, should we start using it? Um, but you know, he I think he's always seen London as this thing that he'd like to get his teeth into, um, and I think he's obviously close relationship with Hendo has given him that opportunity to do so quite clearly he's not coaching and he doesn't want to coach at this moment in time not not with Hendo there he wants to help him um, but I'm sure as I was sort of getting at towards the end of the interview there he has a good record he's well respected and he wants to continue that and this gives him I guess another little um, box checked on his CV doesn't it uh, if things can work so it'll be interesting to see um, how things progress and uh, as ever we do these podcasts every single um, opportunity that I get to do them um, and we wish that the Broncos uh, can improve and can stabilise and can uh, expand things for the future so uh, let's uh, see what impact uh, Brian Noble can have over the next few uh, weeks months years don't know we'll see here how long it goes um but what about the head coach then uh defeat to featherstone uh, this weekend just gone they could have won maybe should have won a couple of uh tries they literally gifted away uh, and scored three tries then in six minutes towards the end of the game to bring the scoreline back and had they not given away those three tries uh, they they may well have of one, but the game was obviously uh, dead and buried uh, before then. Really, as you'll hear, that's the uh, view of the coach uh, Andrew Henderson. Uh, but I thought I'd try and sort of expand his view to try and get him away from the the doom and gloom as, as he saw it, a, a defeat, uh, a consecutive defeat, isn't it, at home uh, for the Broncos? But try to try to move him away from that and uh, onto issues of, of how he's getting on and how the club is. So uh, here's my chat with uh, with Andrew Henderson. And, uh, is that a game you should have won? It was a game potentially we could have won um, and we're certainly in a position to win the game. Uh, certainly after the first 25 minutes, um, we were well in control of the game. Um, but unfortunately, we put ourselves under pressure, came up with some errors. Pardon me, gave away some soft penalties and we allowed Featherston to, to get themselves back into the game. And, uh, you know, that was 
pretty disappointing. We addressed it at half time, and just unfortunately, second half we just didn't come out with that that mentality to uh, to grind it out. You know what I mean? We just uh, rolled over really and let Featherston get over the top of us, and that was that's the reality of what happened. You know, we lost that game through the middle of the park. Um, their big fours just just got over the top of us, and you know they they won the ruck and. And we just couldn't contain them, and we we're hanging on there. And then, I mean, don't get me wrong, we showed a bit of character there at the back end to to score some late tries, and I almost give ourselves half a chance, but we'd given ourselves way too much to do. And conceding forty points, you know, to expect to win the game would have been farcical, really. You know what I mean? But um, yeah, just very, very disappointing, mate, because it was an important game for us back at home. Um, you know what I mean? And like I said, it was. Wouldn't say it's detrimental to uh, our season, but it it would have put us in a good position um, moving forward into the summer bash. Uh, reality is now we're gonna probably have to win majority of our games now, um, and that's the pressure we put ourselves under, and that's what we're gonna have to to uh, to absorb and, and and come through together. How difficult is it going to be to get in that top four now? You, you're pretty much on the brink of the, the halfway point. There seems to be a sort of a battle of four teams for that fourth spot, potentially. Yep. I mean, like you say, you're going to have to win potentially most of your games. How difficult is it, having lost today, to get into that four now? Well, yeah, it is difficult because there's, there's teams now that are probably two, four points above us. So we are probably going to have to rely on results a little bit now. We're going to have to hope that Featherston lose lose a few games and we have to hope Dewsbury lose a few games and we're going to have to make sure we're winning our games. So that's the position that we're in. Um, there's nothing we can do about that now. All we can control is how we respond, um, how we bounce back and and like you said, hopefully we will we'll do enough to uh, to put ourselves in the mix come the end of the year, mate. But it's it's going to be a tough tough ask. But like you say, if the, if the team's got anything about themselves, um, they'll respond in the right way. And how much credit can you give to them for that comeback? I think it was three tries in six minutes. It really turned the scoreline. If you screw off potentially the tries that you almost gave away to Featherstone, you would have ended up winning that game. Yeah. And you're talking about having a side that isn't quite there yet, You know, isn't quite at the standard that you would want them to be at. So how much credit can you give them for coming back at that point? Oh, like I said, I'll give them a little bit of credit for, for having a crack near the end and, and uh, scoring those late tries to make the scoreline more respectable. But like I said, it was the scoreline flattered is really... If I know what I mean, um, the game was, and we put it probably too far out of reach to, to get the result. Like I said, to concede forty points, you know, it's, uh, it would have been farcical. Like I said, if we'd actually did get the get the result in the end, but um, yeah, I mean, it gives you a little bit of something to maybe build off. But um, you know, like I said, it's just very very disappointing, mate, that we just, you know, like I said we're in control of that game and we just let it go really, um, and we didn't have the the resilience or the the mental strength to. Uh, to get ourselves back into it and, and do the job. That's what disappoints me. And let me just ask you a question away from today's game about the club itself. This is your first head coaching role. Yep. There's obviously a lot that you need to do, a lot that Absolutely. you're looking at, a lot that you're taking on board. Yep. You've got Brian Noble that's come in as a consultant. Yep. How are you feeling about where you are and the club are and the things that are doing? Because you've said you've got a long-term plan here. Obviously, what, a month or so into it at the moment, so yeah. not very far, no. but how are you feeling it's going? Oh, look, I'm loving the coaching role, don't get me wrong, I love it. I love being able to work with the players and, I, you know, I've got a lot of love and admiration for all the players, but, um, you know, I'm not naive enough to think that uh, I don't have a big job on my hands here. You know, this this club needs to be rebuilt. It needs to be rebuilt properly. Um, the short-termism ain't going to fix it. Um, certainly we need to recruit better moving forward. Uh, that's in the short-term and even the long-term. Um, we need to get a little bit more... Uh, Strength within our foundations of the club and our infrastructure as well. We need to consolidate that, stabilise that, rebuild that. Um, again, it is a long, long 
um, process, I think, to get us to where we want to get to in terms of what we want to stand for as a club off the field as well as on it. Um, but certainly you know, for where the club wants to be in, in, in the short-term future, which is back in Super League, then the reality is we need to recruit um, a stronger side, stronger players to come in to help help us get there. That's the reality. Um, but at the same time, I think it's important that we still are looking to develop our own kids, uh, trying to bring those London guys through and give them a pathway, uh, as well as trying to say, build some of the infrastructure around the club off the field to, to strengthen it uh, so it becomes a Super League club again, you know what I mean? So, yeah, it is, like I said, it's a long long road to doing that. Um, but again, we have to, like I said, I'll have to sit down and plan with the uh, the owner and the CEO the strategy we need to put in place for the, the short term as well as the long term. And, I mean, I'm sure this feeling isn't unique to this club, it's probably unique everywhere, oh, but yeah. it's it, it's a, a feeling that everyone has to sink from the same hymn sheet and that you must be on the same page as... Um, as Jason and yep. of David and the people that are running the club, is are you feeling that you are all on the same page and that the plan is there and you're trying to um, execute it? Yeah, well, see, it's been hard to really put down a a, a strategy at the moment. I've sh- I've shared some ideas with uh, with Jason and David, um, but at the moment, I mean, the short term focus has been just trying to get some more support staff around for me, um, and also trying to in the short term try and bring in some players to strengthen our squad moving forward. You know, and I think the main a lot of the focus at the moment has been on on field, uh, which at the moment de- definitely needs addressing, um, and then hopefully, like you said, uh, once we get on top of that, we can really. St- you know, really get some brainstorming done and sit down around a table and really focus on where we need to be, where we want to go to, um, and, and put a strategy in place and a, a vision in place. I know the vision long term is to get back to Super League, but there's got to be a process of how we get there and how we achieve that. And we've got to look at re- realistically where are we at at the moment, what infrastructure we have within the club, playing roster, what we've got underneath it. Um, and we need to then, obviously, depending on budgets and stuff like that, we've got to prioritise what areas need to be strengthened first. If it means that we can't have everything in place next year, then we have to prioritise what needs strengthening. That area, let's get that right first. Once that's built up and strong, then it's moved to the next department, the next area, let's strengthen that up, and we keep building from there. So, again, that's going to take a, a few meetings to get that, that sorted, but I've certainly got my, uh, my vision that I would like to instil, but it's, like I said, whether or not... Um, the club support that I, I'm not 100% certain at this moment in time because like I said we haven't had the chance to divulge and look at the longer longer term we're just looking at the here and now at the moment which I think is a priority to be fair We always knew this year was going to be um, a bit of a transitional year and that's the head coach of London Broncos in Andrew Henderson um, is, the, is the top four gone now? Was was that a crucial game against Featherson? It makes it difficult. Uh, maybe it's something we can explore in future programs. We're halfway through the season. Broncos are going to have to um, pick up their form. Nick Sliney targeting coming back at the Big Bash um, for that game. Um, they may well have bodies back or other bodies back soon, but it's going to take a lot of work. It's going to take um, a big change around in fortunes. And something that someone mentioned to me a couple of weeks ago, would it be better for them not to make the top four, but then go on to win the bottom eight for morale for moving forward to next year. Disappointment there would be to not make the top four. Um, it's been far more competitive for that top four in uh, the championship, in my eyes, than a lot of people were expecting it to be. Um, so I don't think it would be necessarily a bad thing to miss out. That was always the target. It will be disappointing. That was the the absolute bare minimum for this year, really. Um, But if they don't do it, it looks like they may not now. Could there be 
a bit of hope in winning or finishing the top of that bottom eight. One just to think about. I don't know whether it makes you think any differently. Maybe you want to face those uh, those bigger teams. But what scrape into the the, the middle, the, the the super eight, the, the middle eight, the qualifiers, whatever they call it, and then lose all your games. I'm not sure that's going to be the best way to go into next year. Um, because as Andrew Henderson says, he, he still thinks they need to improve, still wants to make them better. So I don't. I'm just not sure whether that for me. I'm not just not sure whether it's the best thing right now. In the same way that I said, getting promoted this year probably wouldn't be the right thing for them. Again, that looks a long way off now. Um, but a lot of people were saying we want to get back into Super League after a year. I'm just not quite sure it's the right thing. I'm just not quite sure getting into the top four now is the right thing for them as for where they are. I don't know. Just just my point of view, which I don't often give on the programme. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll talk more in future programmes. Um, right, let's hear from uh, Rhys Williams before we get on to uh, other matters. We want to talk a bit more about um, the future of the podcast in particular. And um, we'll hear from James Sullivan uh, the sad, sad story about his brother. We heard from him at the uh, beginning of the year about the memorial game that he was planning. It happened over Easter. Um, I did record this interview with James ages ago, um, but we'll play it to you uh, in just a few minutes. First of all, let's hear from uh, Reese Williams. Uh, signed a new contract at the club. Um, he's been one of the top f- performers for me um, this year. He's been very, very good. And I think sometimes when people come to the club, and I, I mentioned this in the interview to Reese, um, when, when they arrive, I don't know. I mean, when when you get a new job, as I have just recently, and you go to a new place and you have new colleagues, and I'm not saying it, it should take you a while to buy into it, but sometimes it takes you a while to settle down, to know where you are, you know. To, but it just strikes me that Reese Williams, from the very minute of the very first game at the Hive, he was a Broncos man and he was fighting for the cause. And it's so evident for me in what I've seen from him on the pitch. And. I tried to sort of question him about that in the interview. Um, I've got to say, unfortunately, well, is it not unfortunately? Um, surprisingly, Reese seemed to be very nervous during the interview, which which did surprise me. I was trying to make him at ease. You can maybe hear the the nervousness um, in him when he when he first starts talking, but I sort of hopefully warm him up and we get onto more conversational things towards the end. Um, but yeah, he was 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 very very nervous was Reese. So. Um, uh, do consider that when you're listening to this interview. Um, I think he, he was trying to be careful that I didn't catch him out. I wasn't there to catch him out. I'm never there to catch people out. I just want to have a chat with them. Um, so, uh, yes, here are the thoughts of uh, Reese Williams. And I, I actually did this post the Dewsbury game as well. So this is a an older interview before his new contract. So we don't mention that. Um, but hopefully it's a bit more of a, a generic chat with Broncos' Reese Williams. Reese, let me just take you back to the first game of the season here at the Hive. And... I don't think I don't. Well, people here didn't know what to expect. It was a championship. It was a new team. But you were one of the players that shone from wearing that new shirt, that black shirt. And I think the fans here have been impressed by what you've done this year. How are you enjoying your time at Broncos? Yeah, good. Uh, I'm enjoying London in a whole in general. Uh, my form's been pretty good. Uh, the results haven't been what they need to be, so that's a little bit frustrating. Uh, we're slowly getting there, but as far as it goes for me, I'm, I'm happy and enjoying myself. What's it like playing for for, for London this year? You know, some people come here for different reasons to try and get experience, to try and do stuff. But, you know, what's your sort of purpose for being here? Me, I just need to be playing week in, week out. I think you know, I, I was at Warren for a number of years and dipping in and out of teams, and it was frustrating. And uh, to go away and uh, play a full year under one team in Australia last year was was great for me and did a lot. And uh, to come home or to London and do the same and I'm feeling, really feeling the benefit from it and like you say the results 
haven't been necessarily great away from home. Um, your first home defeat of the season this year. How are the team reflecting on what's just happened? Yeah, it's like I said, it's frustrating. We home form was good, and we wanted to keep that up. We talked about you know making this place a little fortress, and uh, to get four or five wins here was 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 great. And to just slip under the radar today and just get that one defeat was wasn't good enough. We we didn't play well enough to to win and probably too many individuals trying to play like individuals, which was which is which is what we're about. But um, you know we've got a good chance next week against Fev to put that right. You mentioned um, sort of your career and playing for Warrington, going away and then coming to Broncos. How easy do you find it to sort of buy into a club and, and get the ethos? I guess to perform as you have done in that Broncos shirt, you've got to feel something, haven't you, for the club. You've got to connect with it. You've got to sort of really believe that you're in the right place for where you want to be. I think, you know, your, your form dictates that for me. I think if, if I'm playing well and my, form, my form's good and then you can build on that and then start to make that jersey your own, I think. Um, that's so, so, certainly something I felt last year. Uh, going to a new team, whole, whole, there's only one person I knew. So it was, it was a very different environment and I had to do that. I had to perform well to earn the trust of your players. And that's certainly something I've tried to do this year. And what has the feedback been from the coaching that you've had at Broncos this year? I mean, Joey Grimer, now Andrew Henderson, you've got Brian Noblin as well. What has the, the feedback been personally f- for you? Yeah, it's been very positive. Uh, Hendo's been very good. He's been, uh, you know, he's had a lot of work to do. Um, he's had a lot of work to do by himself as well, which has been, which has been massive. Um, Hendo's doing doing a great job, and uh, you know, he's putting them little things together now, which you saw over Easter that they're starting to come together. We're a little bit off in little places and little things, but um, we're certainly working hard to put them right. And Hendo is. Uh, you know, he's very honest, which is which is very uh, which is very nice because it's it's a ruthless place. Um, you need to be ruthless with each other and and with yourself. And uh, we talk, spoke about a lot about being honest with ourselves. Potentially, I, I I don't I know. Obviously, this is your first year. You know, I've covered the club for a few years. Maybe that honesty thing has not been as prevalent as maybe it is under Hendo. It's one of the things that has struck, I think, the press that he's he has not held back in any of his comments and stuff. I mean, is that a difference maybe to what you saw with Joey Grimer? Was it more not softly, softly with Joe? But you know, did he? You know, is Andrew? You know, this is right. This is wrong. This is black. This is white. Uh, a little bit. Joey, uh, Joey had a very specific way he wanted to play. Uh, Hendo's a little bit more, uh, not want to say straightforward, but he he likes you to play a bit with with that, and like I said, likes you to be honest with that. So um, as long as you're doing the right things, running hard first and foremost, and then defensively is you know uh, we're getting there slowly, but um, offensively we just need to start taking opportunities. And let's give um, Jewsbury credit for this afternoon's performance, but I guess you as a team will be keen to make sure that next time you're out here, it's back to winning ways and you know try and maintain that, that good form that you had here in the, in the early season. Yeah, credit to Jewsbury. They were, they were brilliant today. Um, they were really aggressive and uh, we probably didn't stand up to that. Um, that's something we need to learn very quickly, especially in the forwards. You know, we've got a few young, young kids who, who will learn massively from that and you know need to turn that into the other way around and be the people who um, who are putting hits on and uh, leave from the front and be aggressive and and start winning that that uh, the game line sort of thing. And just give us an insight when you're out there. You obviously play different levels of r- rugby league. How physical and how intense and how scrappy are those rooks? 
um, and you know the, the extra arms and the extra force that are in there. What what is it like? Uh, frustrating, I think. Um, the refs are very inconsistent, especially going from um, Super League to Q Cup to here. That each each one is ref differently. I think Q Cup last year you, you couldn't get much chance to wrestle, so if you found your front, it was very quick. Here the refs are a bit more lenient, I guess, and you, they let you wrestle. And um, especially the championship, one ref one week has it's got different interpretations, and it, it's stuff like today when um, when Benny was trying to get up and play the ball, and he, we get penalised for trying to get up a four. Do, do you see that at Super League? No, it's it's frustrating. And I guess for um, for someone like you who is in there a lot, you know, making the tackles, making the runs early in the tackle count. It's it must be quite physical out there. It's a, it's a, it's not an easy level, is it, to play the physicality? So there's so many big people and so many strong people in the championship. Yeah, definitely. Like like I said, the championship is way different to Super League. Uh, it's a lot more. I won't say one out, but there's less players put on due due to that. Um, you do need to find your front, and if you don't, you pay the price for it. it, it a lot of it is quick play the balls again on the front foot, and we're still learning to, to do that. And we do it in patches, but not well enough. And we don't react to when they play the balls quick and jumping on the back of that. And uh, it's something we've got to learn quickly. And for you personally, you're enjoying time in London. You're enjoying time here. Yeah, I am. Yeah, uh, certainly very different coming coming from Australia, where I was last year, was uh, a lot a very different environment. Uh, I was in Rockhampton. It was seven hours from Brisbane. It was very quiet. Uh, knew everyone very quickly, and it was like settled quickly. Yeah, but. Um, London's very different, a lot busier. You know, it's it's been it's very different, but I'm enjoying it all the same. Do you get time to go out? You've seen things, you do the sightseeing stuff, or anything like that, or have you not had the time? No, no, I've got time. I get out when I can, uh, do little things. But uh, what's the best place you've been? Uh, probably Harry Potter Studios. Oh, really? Yeah, 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 what Watford? That. Yeah, yeah, very, very much enjoyed that. I was uh, certainly I've been something something I wanted to do for a while. So doing little stuff like that and then around London, it's been great. But uh, rugby first and foremost. <laughs> Well, he was man of the match on Sunday in that defeat to Featherston. Reese Williams there of the Broncos. Um, like I said before, one of the uh, top performers, uh, really, of Broncos' season so far. Um, now, just a bit more about the future of the, the podcast itself. I've not done one of these for ages, and I apologise for that. Things have been busy, new job, new projects, all sorts. Unfortunately, the podcast gets pushed aside um, just because well it's a, it's a hobby and um, I have to prioritise other things which many of you have said you understand so I really do appreciate that I will try and do and I do do as many of these podcasts as I can I promise um, the idea is potentially for more smaller bite sized episodes more regularly um, over the coming months so uh, maybe just one or two interviews per podcast as soon as I've got them I'll just put them up probably less polished I'm not sure they have the music on it might just be me doing an intro an interview another intro to an interview and then that's it it'll just stop and um, maybe less of your comments in there not saying that they're not um, welcome I love reading them I'll try and include as many as I can just those are the things that generally are more time consuming and I could quite easily put each interview up um as a separate podcast maybe you'd be more interested in that um but then generally you, you find that people cherry pick what they uh, pick and choose to to listen to and becomes more of a, an audio service than a podcast and i'd like to i'd like to keep the program feel because i like to think that it's it's more of a 
an entertaining listen than just here's an interview here's an interview but let me know what you think if you just rather hear the interviews i can just do the interviews on, on my uh, mobile devices and ping them up online and that's it we're all done there so uh, yeah it'd be interesting to hear your thoughts if you if you if you have an opinion either way equally if you're just happy for me to plow on by all means just keep silence and i will promise that i will do what i can with these programs over the next few months and throughout the summer um, but once again thank you for downloading and listening and, and sticking with it and um, they've had really good figures this year it's a shame that i've not been able to to do more of them because um doubled stroke tripled the listenership from from last year not quite sure how that's happened but um yeah you know i'm very keen to to keep them going i'm not, not sure um who is listening to them if if, if 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 that's you you want to get in touch and say hi please do at ian ramsdale on twitter or uh on the uh email rl down south at gmail.com um but now i want to uh just uh put in the story of um john sullivan and we'll hear from his his brother james we heard from james at the beginning of the year um, the sad story that his brother John, a former uh, Broncos youngster, um, sadly took his life, struggling, it seems, with life outside of professional rugby. Uh, James, the family, his friends, colleagues wanted to arrange a memorial game, which they did um, on the Easter weekend. And this is the story of, of the game. Uh, it was a, a St Mary's Old Boys, um, the university team, where, where John had... Uh, gone to and played obviously that had close ties with Broncos against a London Broncos 13 and um, put together by um, a former Broncos coach now head of youth Rob Powell um, who coached John um, back in the day they had messages of support from the game from Louis McCarthy Scarsbrook at St Helens Wigan's Tony Club Michael Warrenty down in Australia they all trained with John as a youngster Phil Jones, the uh, Warrington youth coach, obviously had a massive um, say in what Broncos and Harlequins RL did uh, over the years. Um, I think he might have been at the game as well, Phil. Uh, Matt King, um, who John was on the field with uh, when Matt was paralysed playing for the Broncos Academy 10 years ago. Um, In fact, to be fair, the Memorial game was played on the 10th anniversary of that occasion. Uh, Matt King bringing the match ball onto the field as you'll hear in the interview, um, Henry Paul and Jason Robinson wanting to support the game, but unfortunately uh, both uh, couldn't go. But there's plenty of great stories in this uh, interview with James. Um, a very passionate man who really loves and misses his brother. Um, and he was, uh, well, very, very, very passionate and, and wanted this game to happen, wanted to keep the memory of his brother going, uh, wanted to shout about how good and how much um, admiration he has for his brother uh, and hopefully this interview can contribute to that as well and I'll put it on record here that I'm still working on um, getting a couple of articles published um, which is something that I said to James that I would do and I still am doing so um, this is just a, a public record to say those stories are still uh, in the pipeline and um, okay the game may have been over the Easter weekend and been and gone but the, the story and uh, the messages and the things that have come out of the game will still continue to go. So, James, if you're listening to this, then, um, yeah, keep your eyes peeled. I'll be in touch uh, with a few more details. But here is uh, James Sullivan and my chat with him about the um, the game from the Easter weekend in memory of his brother, John. James, first of all, um, how was it on, uh, what, Saturday just gone? 
Yeah, on uh, April 4th, um, we had our um, the memorial game for my brother John Sullivan um, at St Mary's. Um, it was absolutely fantastic. Um, you know what, I couldn't have asked for a better day or a better turnout um, and a better turnout of players. We had 60 players playing. Um, so because of the old tired legs and and things like that. We certainly probably needed 60 players to interchange all those every kind of 10 minutes. Um, but overall in the day, the, the love for John um, and creating awareness for calm um, was, our, was the, main, the main two reasons. And those certainly, you know, promoted it. Um, lots of love on the day. Um, and we raised around a thousand pounds cash on the day for calm which is fantastic um and overall with all the charity things that i've done and and john's close friends have done we've almost reached around eight thousand pounds uh, raised for for calm so um but from the day it was fantastic i'm gutted it's over to be honest i wish it was uh, this saturday as well um but uh, from the positivity from all the players and the spectators, they they want it to be an annual event. So it's really put a, uh, um, a spanner in the works, and um, I'm going to come up with a few different ideas and run it past mm-hmm. the uh, powers to be. Well, um, we mentioned it last time. You know, the, the names that were were coming. You know, some of them uh, had Super League games that day, so uh, couldn't come along and participate. But you know, from, from a few of the people that were there, you know, Phil Jones, a guy who's been sort of embedded with uh, the old London Broncos, you know, for, for many many years, and obviously coached yourself and, and your brother Joe Maboo was there. You know, I, I guess that the, the people that there that were there show quite how how much and how many people your your brother sort of had an impression on. Yeah, I mean, I had phone calls from Jason Robinson um, as well, um, saying he couldn't make it, which was was, was totally fine with um, other religious and family, you know, um, things over mm-hmm. Easter. Um, and to be fair, out of all of them, and, you know, Louis got on the phone, Matt Cook, um, uh, Clubby at Wigan as well, all his friends that he played league, league with who were busy, unfortunately, on the Super League weekend. Um, but the main one that I was really honoured um, to have made a presence is, is Matt King, who on the day as well, um, 10 years ago, uh, broke his neck on the rugby league field playing for London Broncos Academy. Um, and it was an honour for him, uh, for us, to see him bring the match ball on to start the game um, and stay around all all day helping out talking about John and didn't really talk about himself at all um, which is an honourable thing to do and he is a very very honourable man um, and a very very close friend um, which he has his uh, book release coming up I think on the Challenge Cup final weekend and uh, he told me that John plays a very very big part in his book and I cannot wait to read it and uh, purchase it. Um, you mentioned as well last time when we spoke that you were going to try and tempt your um, your dad onto the field as well. Um, amazing story about when he when he did get onto the field, but I guess it, it must have been such a, a big an occasion for, for for the whole family. 
Yeah, everything was. I think my dad got kind of frustrated on the sideline. He kind of sat there on the first half and he's like, right, I must get on, I must get on. Um, he got on, uh, missed a tackle, um, but he made up for made up for that by scoring a, a 60 meter, I tell you what, let's say 80 meter uh, line break um, from his own 22, and uh, and scoring right under the sticks. Um, as soon as he broke the line, he had no idea what was going on because he's what he's certainly watched a lot of rugby in his time, um, but he's never played a game before. But a man who you know is 59 years old, who's putting in tackles and taking the ball up and scores a try like that, for absolutely phenomenal um, images that have been thrown around on the day that you just see him jumping for joy. Um, straight away and yeah my mum who was actually near the try line at the time frantically getting her phone out to take a picture takes a picture of herself so you know had the camera facing the wrong way Um, and my disabled sister was uh, you know hopping with joy on her rubbery wheels um, seeing dad do that and everyone embraced it from the London Broncos select to St Mary's um, but it, it was just the togetherness was fantastic and the camaraderie on the pitch and um, the tackles that were going in oh there were some crunching ones I mean for me on the day um, I said to myself I was only going to pass the ball um, I'm about half the size um, as I was back in my pro days um, I said Look, I'm only going to pass the ball I'm, gonna, I'm not going to tackle I'm going to stand on the wing and I'm not going to take the ball up that went out the window within four seconds. I ran in, tried to put a big shot on, and uh, fractured my tooth. Um, but that didn't stop me. I, I must have made about 30 tackles, took the ball up as many times as I could, and luckily I scored a try at the end. And um, I'm not afraid to say it. When I put that ball down, I just broke down in tears, and you know, just the whole occasion, and lots of love and hugs from the players as well. Um, just, just, I'm honoured to be there on that day. I'm very proud of everyone who was involved in it as well. I'm sure that um, John would have loved to have been there, uh, and I'm sure you know, be gutted that he's missed out. It obviously, did have a a serious nature, you know, and the reason that you organised the event in the first place, and uh, it's sort of no more so um, noticeable in some of the conversations that you heard and that you had with some of the people who've you know ended up in a very similar situation to your brother you know on the on the on the fringes or all of a sudden on the outskirts of a rugby career and you know finding it very hard to deal with yeah as, as i said to before when we spoke last was uh, my facebook and my phone didn't stop really i had you know 10 to 15 ex players calling and wanting to discuss about what John went through and what I went through and 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 they're going through it and how to get through it um you know not making it as a pro or or anything of that sort in any career you know or down there's always ups and downs and how to get out of those downs but it was ever ever more evident um on the day even you know, having a phone call from Australia from Mike Warrency, who couldn't make it, who was studying, making positive steps in his life to get a degree, um, to get himself out of rugby, not outside or out of rugby league, but just get him into a different path. There was 20 other players who came up to me and spoke to me in the pub afterwards. 
And that was not only just rugby league players. There were certainly rugby union players there as well who um, needed a little bit of guidance. And all I was there, I was just a, I was just a, you know, I was just a pair of ears listening, you know, and, and gave my advice and passed on the details of, you know, calm and, and anything and other details of other charities or or any decent advice. Um, you know, we're young adults and. We do need guidance. You mentioned you, you mentioned Calm as well there, that the charity that you've been raising money for. I think in our uh, previous conversation, you were telling us, you know, there's people doing the London Marathon, various other events. I think you're doing the Tough Mudder later in the year. From my yeah. quick calculations, it looked like you're going to raise, what, what, already around the £10,000 mark. Um, you obviously um, want to, to help people and, and the charity does that um, you know I suppose it's being in the situation and, and, and being through what you've been through it makes it even more real and makes you you know determined to try and help other people yeah I, absolutely and, and Calm's such a very young charity and not many people know it um, two close friends Marcus and Alex Wolf ran the Brighton Marathon um, um, on Sunday um, with with training and without training um, but they they completed it and they raised you know two to three thousand pounds which is amazing but they ask everyone when you're running around they were asking what is this charity um and there was only a certain few that would say that is the most important charity there is you know and my um my fiance and her friend danny are running the london marathon and with all the practices they've done with half marathon again not many people knew but they were a certain number of people were just so proud of them running in that in that vest in that only vest just to create awareness for calm and then a tough mother you know coming up on john's 29th birthday you know these things are never going to end and the more awareness i can create and if i can portray this from my fiance to john's best friend to my friend theirs and create that ball rolling then it's just all going to be a positive thing you know it, it costs I think six pounds or something for a phone call and time and meetings and things per person so if we're raising 10 grand then we're helping endless amounts of people endless and keeping people in a positive mind frame in your talk as well, you know, people want a, a regular event or have said, you know, you're going to do it again next year, something obviously that you, um, you're you going to have to consider and, and think about over the next few uh, weeks and months, I'm sure. But for you uh, as, a, as a brother and, and your family as well, has this event helped you? You know, has, has it been a, um, a therapeutic thing to hold? Yes. I mean, through, through everything um, our family has been through since today, and it's actually four months yesterday since John sadly left us um, we've had endless amounts of uh, legal things to go through and that day was by far fantastic it's just the smiling faces and and the and the awareness that was created and Hummingbird Bakery donating 240 cupcakes so all the kids and parents that turned up scoffed their faces um, too much sugar for the kids so they wanted to get on the field but that was fine um, with the, the shack and the water grave arms you know putting up a barbecue and a bottle bar um, to St Mary's University and um, letting us use the facilities 
Um, you know, the amount of people, Monty, Pierre, Tish, I, I cannot name, you know, I cannot name them all. I'll probably take up an hour of all the people that have helped us. Um, but we're, we're, I'm in ever debt for that. But th- this was the most positive thing that came out of of everything. Um, and we loved it so much that we would love to keep it going as an annual thing. And we loved it so much that we want to create more awareness and do more for others in the aid of John. Um, I've been very fortunate and very lucky that Calm let me write an article to go on the website on Calm. And it's been read 9,000 times. And that's phenomenal. So if, if that, you know, if anyone can take anything from that, then, you know, we've done our job. Um, but I'd, I'll probably check it later today and 10,000 people have read it. Um, it it's just, I, I would love to have it as an annual thing. Um, and I actually totally understand why Jason Robinson didn't want to come down because my dad was playing. He was probably intimidated, to be honest. So, you know, my dad would have done a number on him. That's for sure. <laughs> it's a very touching and, and, and sad story uh, about John. It's so good to see that the game was so well received and uh, you know James mentions about plans for the future um, it's a big thing to organise um, and I guess as well I know that James is not concerned but when you have an event like that and it's so well you think well if you have another one make it an annual event does it lose the impact um, and does it lose the meaning um, all things that um, James will look at in considering what they they do and plan for the future but uh good to know it was so successful and the the bottom line is you know james talks about those people that he's had conversations with that say you know i'm feeling the same way you know i i I, it's it's difficult when you when you stop playing rugby you know when you maybe don't get the contract that you'd hope for or um when you don't go along that career path that you um have worked over so many years to to try and get um so it's clear that talking about these issues and doing things like this game is helping there's been plenty stuff um in uh, you know rugby league media in particular i saw something on panorama the other night that where um they were doing something about mental health and they'd they included rugby league as part of it it's clear that rugby league are one of the uh, leading sports when it comes to looking at, at mental health issues um but terrific um, I have terrific admiration for for James for telling us that story Um, and hopefully everyone can work forward to uh, making it um, an issue that we can talk about and discuss and help people over time so these things don't happen but James thank you for your conversation and that's it for Rugby League Down South uh, for this episode as I say hopefully more frequent bite-sized episodes coming in the future Thank you once again. Really appreciate you downloading and listening. Hope you enjoyed it. Some good chats in here. Um, and we'll hopefully keep that program feel going as we have the smaller episodes of the future. But thank you once again. And um, stay tuned. There'll be another episode very soon. Promise. Want truly hydrated skin? Meet Osea's Body Care Breakthrough Hyaluronic Body Serum. 
It's clinically proven to increase hydration by 161%. It's lightweight, fast-absorbing, and delivers 24 hours of hydration for silky smooth skin without any sticky afterfeel. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order with code SUMMER at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com code SUMMER.